see each of you here. I know we got a few people out, and I guess it's the last week of school freedom. Um, so we'll be praying for our students and to, uh, teachers that go back to school. <coughs> Sorry, I drank some water and it went down the wrong pipe. Uh, quite a few years, well, not quite a few years ago, in the early 2000s, uh, as Tiffy and I were called really to uh, leave this area and move to Pennsylvania as we began our um, endeavor into the north, it was a tough time. And, and what had happened was, if you remember, in 2007 was the beginning of the housing market crash. And the economy wasn't that great, and we weren't able to sell our house, and we actually moved to Pennsylvania, and we lived in the basement of the church for, you know, almost a year. And it, it was not a great time. I, and, and to be quite honest with you, having two teenage boys who were starting high school, if you will, and, and moving them, just yanking them up and moving them to another state, living in the basement of the church where nobody knows you, and, and, and that was tough on them. And, and it always seemed like there was something going on. I was bivocational. I've always been bivocational uh, for most, well, all my ministry. And then I lost my job because since the housing market crashed and where we worked was an agrarian economy, I, 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 there was no need to build timber or have timber for building because nobody was building. And I remember the, the woe is me moments. And I think I've shared some of this with you before as I would get up and sit on the side of the bed and go, what have I got myself into? I had become bitter uh, at the situation. I didn't like being there. Uh, it was tough, and God had revealed to me that, Chad, you don't love the people. You need to love the people, and, and you need to understand that I'm in control of all this. I have called you here, and there's a purpose for it. Never will forget a man told me this. He said, Chad, have you ever thought of it this way, that God is testing you, and how will you respond is whether you pass or fail? And that has always sit with me. And I named this message, this is a test, I'm going to tell you why. We've been in the book of Revelation, and as you know, last week we're in Revelation 14, as the 144,000 are standing beside the Lamb. They had persevered through, and in 15, and during this brief interlude where John sees a, 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 sees a vision, uh, you'll see the angels are given the bowls of wrath to pour out upon them, pour out upon the earth. And now, the reason I wanted to switch and go back to the book of James today is because many of us have said, how do these people persevere? Now you've heard me preach that the same God that will save you is the same God that will sustain you. How does that happen? And you've heard me say many times, if you can't handle the little things in life, you won't be able to handle the big things. <clears throat> and what we have been doing on Wednesday nights is going back to the Old Testament to bring all this together. Now I know people work and you can't always be here, but there's a plan to what I'm doing so we can see that the whole Word of God is written to show us that He is who He says He is, and He is worthy to be worshipped. And what I wanted to do this morning was to go into the book of James, and I've called this, this is a test. This is very important because if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of James. We're only going to read four verses, but I ask you to turn with me to the book of James chapter 1, and let's stand as we read the Word of God. If you do not have the Word of God in your hand, you can follow on screen. <clears throat> James, the bondservant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, 
so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. You may be seated. Now, the women have been going through the study of James. Praise God for that. And I, and I know that they have been going through this and learning about the book of James. The book of James is a book of, of let's just put it to you this way in simple terms. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, your fruits will show it. Okay? That's the purpose of this book. If you are saved, your life will reflect you are saved. Okay? Now, James, the reason I wanted to bring this out is because how many people know who James is? Now, see, there are several Jameses mentioned in the book of the New Testament, but I want you to understand the importance and why I went there about, Chad, how can you make a relation between Revelation 14, persevering through all this, and make a relation to James? Well, I'm going to tell you. James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, it couldn't have been James the other disciple because he was martyred in A.D. 44. So they made it a little too early for, for it to be that James. Now, we believe this is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And there are several things I want you to understand about James. Number one, the Bible says that during Jesus' ministry, James was not a believer. His half-brother did not believe. You'll find that in the book of Mark chapter 5, John chapter 7. That they thought he was crazy. Jesus was crazy. Or even his brothers did not believe. Is what the Bible says in John 7. This James was also one who would be converted later in life. He would be the head of Jerusalem council. Paul would call him a pillar in the book of Galatians. Peter would seek James out when uh, Peter was miraculously released from prison. So James has power. Now this is the point I want to make. How does a man who is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, who walked with him on this earth, does not believe, and yet he opens this book, James, a bondservant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. James was changed by the power of Christ. You cannot be or have an encounter with Jesus and be the same. James was saved later in life, and he calls himself a slave. Listen, a bondservant, slave, comes from the Greek, doulos. He is a slave. And you think that interesting? James did not open this letter with that he was the uh, co-chair of the council in Jerusalem, that he was Jesus' brother. He who was his half-brother became a slave to Christ. This is the point I'm making. Remember how I said last week that those that are saved understand their worth. Those that are truly saved understand their worth. Their worth is not found in who they are or what they are, but their worth is found only in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. He knew his worth. He may have been the half-brother of Jesus, but he was just as lost as any other person that walked the face of the earth until he placed his faith and trust in him. Amen? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he calls himself a slave. I think that's very interesting. But not only is he a slave to Christ, if you're a born-again believer, you're a slave to Christ too. You see, the Bible tells us that we can't serve two masters. Correct? You're either a slave to the world or you're a slave to Christ. 
And see, I think it very interesting that as James opens up this book, this is the, the, the foundation in which he is building. Look, if you are a slave to Christ, your life will reflect that. If you're a slave to the world, your life will produce worldly fruit. He says, to the, and to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, comes from the diaspora, the spreading, they're scattered everywhere. So this is a Jewish flavor. This is a Jewish text in context. He is talking to the Jews who were born again believers who have been spread out. The Bible tells us in the Roman times, even Vespian took a lot of Jews back to Rome. They have been scattered throughout time. Because when conquering nations would come in, they would take them and scatter them abroad. So he tells those of you who have been born again in Jesus Christ, look, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now you have heard me say that, well, Chad, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to cart, cut cartwheels when I hear I got cancer? I, well, am I supposed to shout and rejoice when my best friend has passed away, when there's been some horrific murder, when my child has left this world, when I'm going through some severe addiction, when I've lost my home, when I am being persecuted for my faith? Am I supposed to find joy with the trial? No, you find joy in the trial because he who holds you through the trial. Now you've heard me say this, that he who saved you is the same and will keep and sustain you. Now, but how do you find it joy in the trial? Most of us, that when we are tested, you know as well as I, that we don't always respond in a Christ-like manner. And the reason that I am really been harping on this is we see this world progressively getting worse. People are going to see who's real. There's a lot of people who claim to be believers, but when the rubber meets the road, you see who's real on how they respond to the test of whether they're believers. Would you concur with that statement? So if the little things shake us up, what are the big things going to do? So I couldn't find, it through. I've been praying through this, I, I couldn't find anywhere else to go that the Lord led me was to James. That the half-brother of Jesus Christ, who walked with him, who's seen these things happen, and according to tradition, church tradition, James would be stoned to death. So how does a man go from not believing to believing and willing to die for what he believes? A lot of people will die for something, but most people won't die for nothing. He was willing to die, and willing to die, and take everything that came to him joyfully. Now, consider it all a joy. So how do we do this? Well, listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. If we live only for the present and forget about the future, the trials will make us better and not better. You hear that? If we live only for the present and forget about the future, the trials will make us better, not better. You have heard me say many times, and I will repeat, repeatedly say this, as a born-again believer, you will experience trials. You will through, go, through, go through tribulation. You will see death. You will see sickness. You will see financial loss. You will see friends betray you. You will see all these things happen. Jesus never promised that you wouldn't go through trials. So we have to understand that. They're coming. As I've said many times in the book of, uh, book of Daniel, you're either headed toward a furnace, you're in the furnace, or you're coming out of one. There's no in-between. It's going to happen. But how you respond is a test of your faith.
Does those trials make you bitter? Or do they make you better? He says, consider it all a joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let that endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So how do we find joy in trials? I'm going to give you four things this morning that I pray that encourage you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you're headed toward, that you will find joy. Number one, understanding that it can only happen by God's power and not yours. In other words, experiencing joy is supernatural, not natural. It is something that is alone given by God. Hebrews 12, 2. I want you to turn with me just there for a brief minute if you can. Hebrews 12, 2. Look what he says. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin so easily that ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before Him He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen. The source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Understand this. It is supernatural and not natural. I have had so many people tell me, Chad, I can't take it anymore. Well, then lean on Christ. I've had people tell me, Chad, God will not place on me more than I can handle. Yes, He will. When people say that quote to me, it shares me two things. Either they have no clue about life, or they don't understand Scripture. Well, the Bible says He won't put more on us than we can bear. He's talking about temptation, people. He's not talking about trials or tribulation. He's talking about temptation. Remember the big word we always like to use? Context, context, context. Like I've said many times, if that's the way we can interpret Scripture, my favorite verse in the King James is it came to pass. It's got to be supernatural and not natural. Who do you lean on? Who do you lean on through trials and tribulations? You know, I think a lot of times... Again, we try to accomplish things through our own power because we like doing things our own way. Instead of laying things at the foot of the cross, we lay the burdens on our shoulders to handle ourselves. And I promise you, you can't do it. You see, the thing about it is, was this. As the, those that are going through the tribulation time and period, if you will, that are being persecuted, they're being crushed, they understand the value of their worth... They also understand that this place on earth is a home. This is a transition period for us, people. This is a growing time for us. This is a time where we learn that our life on this earth is but a span, but eternity is forever. Please know this, that when you leave this earth, that hell is hot, uh, heaven's glorious, and eternity is long. There's only two places that you go when you leave this earth, either in the presence of Christ or in hell.
and knowing that this earth is just a passage and a time and a, and a, and a, and a, and a way that we're going to be on for a while. Eternity's forever. So while we are here, take joy in knowing that if we are faithful and continue to walk in our, the path that God's given to us, that we will receive a crown of eternal life. Amen? It's supernatural. You can't do it on your own, people. You can't do it. There's no way. It can only be through the hand of God. Understanding that it can't happen by it can only happen by God's power and not your power. It's not natural, it's supernatural. Number two, how do we find joys in our trials? Understanding that God sees what we don't see. Have you ever thought there's a reason why you're going through what you're going through? Have you ever thought about there's a purpose? Yeah, it could be discipline. For God disciplines those whom He loves. The Bible tells us very clearly He does do that. He's our Heavenly Father. And every time we go in through somebody, you've heard me say many times, we should look at ourselves. But sometimes, things happen to grow our faith. God sees what we don't see. Maybe going through this keeps you from something more drastic from happening. But all of it's for God's purpose and God's will. You see, this past Wednesday, we talked about Joseph. Now, I'm not going to go through that whole Bible study again, but I give several points to the people on Wednesday that I want you to think about. Joseph, you'll find the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 45. Here's this man that's sold into slavery by his brothers. He becomes prominent, if you will, in, in, in Egypt, but all of a sudden, a man's wife turns on him. He gets thrown in jail. Then he gets left in jail. Then he rises to prominence in the Egyptian office, if you will. Then all of a sudden, his brothers come back and there's reconciliation. And I summed it up like this. Joseph was hated. Okay? He was hated. Not only was he hated by his brothers, they were so jealous of him because of what he had in his gift. But he was also accused. Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to perform things on her or trying to attack her or trying to do this and that. He was accused falsely. Not only was he accused falsely, the Bible says that when he was in prison for a few years, that when he was able to interpret dreams, he told, the, he told, the, to, he told him, he said, look, remember me when you get out. But he didn't. He spent two more years in prison and he was forgotten. So Joseph was hated, he was accused, and he was forgotten. Has that ever been any of you? But one thing about Joseph in the end of the story is his brothers came back. Joseph practiced forgiveness. He was hated. He was accused. He was forgotten. And yet he forgive. And the Bible tells me through that that God was with Joseph every step of the way because what Joseph told his brothers, what you meant for evil, what? God meant for good. Because of Joseph's slavery, he was able to help his brothers during a time of famine. You don't see the full picture. So many times we think we know all the answers. Especially when we're younger. Young folks, I'll be honest with you, I was the same way. 
My parents could have sold every Encyclopedia Britannica they had because I knew it all. Then when I finally got older, I realized I didn't know it all. And as, as an adult, I don't know it all now. I have those moments in myself. I'll be honest with you. Wow, Lord. We all do. But I have to believe that He who sees more than I do will sustain me through it. Am I going to get sick? Am I going to die? Yes. Will people around me be the same way? Yes. But I cling to the cross. I cling to the cross. Who Jesus will not always rescue me through everything, through everything, but He will walk with me through it. So many times you hear so many people quote you, God causes all things to work for good for those that love Him as called according to His purpose. That verse never means that God will remove you from any trial. That verse in context is telling you to grow closer to Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. You will never be removed always from trials. Things are going to happen. But understand that in the midst of it, God sees this for a reason. That you may be going through what you're going through for His glory. Number three. Use your trial as a growing experience instead of a groaning experience. Use your trial as a growing experience instead of a groaning experience. Isn't it amazing how often we love to complain? Now, do any of you ever complain? <laughs> the Bible tells me that God does not like complainers. When we continually, pray, continually complain about situations, what we're telling God is you're not in control. Do we often complain about our situations? The Puritan Thomas Watson said this, Though Christ died to take away the curse from us, He did not die to take away the cross from us. You hear that? He died to take away the curse, but not the cross. We all have that cross to bear. And we're all going to go through things. Let us learn from it and not complain about it. Now, that you've said, we all complain. We all have those situations where we don't like what we're going through. But if Christ can bear the cross for us who are not worthy, what can we bear? You see, I often ask myself, how did James go to be stoned? Every one of the disciples were martyred except John, who wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of Potmos. Most of your church fathers, if you will, Polycarp, you see people that are martyred joyfully for the cause of Christ. Why? Because they understand that their life is eternal in Christ and He's worth dying for. You see, isn't it amazing the small things that cause us to crumble? And what I have tried to tell people through the book of Revelation, you might not always agree with me on, on, the, on the timing of some of this, but I want you to understand that I believe for the past many years, preachers have not prepared the church for what's about to happen. Better read the news. We need to understand that we think it's tough now, it's really going to get tough. 
and we're going to stand, we're going to find out who's real. You will see throughout text that only a remnant is saved. You will see that narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, and few people find it. Why? Because it's not that you're a Christian by name, but whether you're a Christian by faith, and they are few and far between. You see, I'm not trying to discourage you, but to encourage you that if you can cling to God in every circumstance in your life and quit being a complainer and being a proclaimer on how good God is, then you build yourself with endurance and it perfects you as a result and you will be complete. I'm going to be honest with you. There's been times that God's used me as a building block that I didn't like being stacked on the bottom. None of us like to be in anything. None of us like to go through problems. None of us like to have financial issues. None of us like to be sick. So how do we embrace those again? Clinging to Christ, knowing that this earth is temporary. We should rejoice knowing that we have a crown of eternal life if we're faithful and persevere to the end. That's how they march to the cross singing. That's how people sing when they're about to be beheaded. Because they know that they have Christ and this world may take away their life, but they can't take away their soul. Why don't we rejoice? Let's use this trial as a growing experience and not a groaning one. And number four, listen. Use your trial as a story to share God's glory. Use your story. Or use your trial as a story to share God's glory. I want to go into this for a few moments. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. But how many of you have been through the loss of a loved one or a spouse? How many of you have been through a divorce? How many of you have been through drug addiction? How many of you have been through financial destitution, if you will? How many have lost a child? Now, as I'm going through all this, people are raising their hands. Now, listen. As a born-again believer, now listen to what I'm going to say here. Who can relate better to those who have done the same thing than somebody that's gone through it? You hear me? You see what I'm saying with this? I don't know what it's like to go through some of those things. But I know people who have. And I know that through that, how much could you encourage somebody who's gone through the same thing? Because you know how it feels. I have talked to many of you who have lost loved ones and you have told me, Chad, I could not have done it without Jesus Christ. And what a great encouragement to go to somebody and say, I know how you feel. Christ delivered me. He'll deliver you. Amen? We were made... To minister to one another. You've heard me say this for years. The word in the New Testament is saints, not saint. Because we need one another. God has made us to fellowship with one another. He has made us to seek encouragement with one another. Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spurn one another on. Let us consider this. Not to forsake the assembling of one another together. We need each other. 
And I guarantee you that in each one of our lives, we've gone through different things, but you're not alone in what you've gone through. Would you agree with that? And what greater testimony to share God's glory and how He sustained you and encouraged somebody else. Well, how you could, He will sustain them. Amen? Use your trial as a story to share God's glory. God moves in mysterious ways, His wonders to conform. He plants His steps in the sea and rises upon the storm. His purposes ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but the sweet will be the flower. There's nothing greater than knowing who you have. I do not know what this world will give me tomorrow. I do not know whether I will live or die, neither do you. There's not any of us guaranteed tomorrow. You used to hear this... You used to hear the saying, all we have to do is die and pay taxes. Well, I said, no, the only thing you got to do is die. But I guess now with the government, you got to pay taxes. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I tried to use that as a little humor, sorry. But anyway, I had to throw that out there. The only thing that we have to do is leave this world. We have to do that. One out of every one person dies. It's a mathematical fact. And it just depends on when. And every one of us are immortal, mortal until God calls us home. But understand this. That while you own this earth, it's going to be a trial. And God never promised to remove them. But through His Son, Jesus Christ, He will walk with you through it. So remember, how do we find joy in these trials? It's got to be supernatural instead of natural. Lean on to Christ. Lean on to Him. Remember, God sees what you don't. We're finite beings. He's infinite. Three, use the trial as a growing experience and not a groaning experience. And four, use your trial as a story to share God's glory. We're all going to have our rough moments. We're all going to go through some things. But I guarantee if you try to do it on your own, you'll fall. We need Christ. Learn from a man who walked with Jesus and didn't believe, but was transformed by the power of Jesus and who would rise to be a pillar in the community for God's glory, who would not use His name as leverage but show the world he's a slave. He is a slave to Christ. And I promise you people, as a slave to Christ, there's no greater master to serve. You can't serve two. You can only serve one. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we pray that everyone that is here, Lord, that you would Reveal Yourself to them, those that do not know You. Lord, we pray that You would convict hearts. Lord, we would pray that no matter what somebody in this group is going through, that You are greater. Lord, we may 
be upset about that mountain before us. But God, you're the one that created that mountain. And God, we pray that you would use whatever trial or tribulation that comes our way for your glory and that we lean completely on you and not our own understanding. God, I pray that everyone here would have travel and mercy back home, that they would reflect this week on your greatness and your glory and see that you alone are worthy of all praise. Lord, let us live our life as the day is our last. Proclaiming your name and anticipating that whatever may come, that you'll walk with us through it. And we'll give you the praise and glory for all things. Amen. Please stand and worship with us as we close.